0: The Garden Question is a podcast for people that love designing, building, and growing smarter gardens that work. Listen in as we talk with successful garden designers, builders, and growers, discovering their stories along with how they think, work, and grow. This is your next step in creating a beautiful, year-round, environmentally connected, low-maintenance, and healthy, thriving outdoor space. It doesn't matter if you're a beginner or an expert. There will always be something inspiring when you listen to the Garden Question podcast. Hello, I'm your host, Craig McManus. In this episode, we talk with Perla Sofia Curbelo Santiago, a passionate gardener and professional communicator. From Puerto Rico. Perla Sophia is the founder of AgroChic, a gardening lifestyle platform that advocates for the profound benefits of gardening for wellness. Our focus today is transformative power of gardening for stress relief, mental health, and overall physical well-being. Perla Sophia, with her expertise and enthusiasm, takes us on a journey through various topics including stress management techniques, seamless integrating gardening into your lifestyle, and the joy of engaging in gardening activities and the art of designing gardens for both aesthetic pleasure and health benefits. Our conversation goes beyond the blooms and greenery. Perla Sophia shares valuable insights on handling garden failures, preserving the legacy of your garden, and draws from her gardening expertise. With a background in psychology from the University of Puerto Rico and a master's degree in public relations, coupled with the certification in horticultural therapy from the Chicago Botanic Garden, Perla Sofia brings a unique perspective to the intersection of well-being and gardening. A mediapreneur since 2007, Perla Sofia founded Zerta Media Enterprises, producing engaging content around agriculture and gardening. Her contributions were recognized in 2021 when she received the B.Y. Morrison Communication Award from the American Horticultural Society. Perla Sofia is on a mission to spread awareness in both Spanish and English about the significance of taking a garden break. Through her new book, Verdura Living a Garden Life, the book seeks to reduce stress Add joy and green up your life with the power of plants. It is published in English and in Spanish. In her Spanish podcast, La Verdura de Hoy, and her new website in English, mygardenbreak.com, she shares strategies on using nature and gardening-based activities to enhance your physical, mental, and emotional well-being, whether you're at home or in the workplace. This is episode 143. Gardening for stress relief, exploring well-being in nature with Perla Sofia Cupolo Santiago on the Garden Question Podcast. Perla Sophia, should gardening be another stress point in our life?
1: That depends. For me, definitely the answer is no. Stress is not a bad thing. The bad thing is when stress becomes something chronic, something that take over your life and even paralyze you stress is good because keeps you moving forward and keeps you alert but when I say depends that will depend on what are the outcomes are and what are the intention for your garden if you want a garden to relax definitely working on it and trying to add new plant things that you really like shouldn't be source of stress of course When you are taking care of plants, sometimes when pests come on to certain plants that you love or a plant dies, sometimes you feel like you didn't take care of the plant as you should. That can be a source of stress. It can be a source of stress if you are gardening for food, for produce, and you're counting with that. Of course, it it can be stressful, but it, it is something that will depend on each person.
0: So where do you start if you want to enjoy a garden for your well-being?
1: Definitely you should start knowing what you like. Sometimes it doesn't have to do with the garden. It starts with things that you enjoy, like reading. Maybe you like dancing. And then you can start building a garden around those things that you really like. For example, I really love to read. It is something... I really enjoy watching my parents read in their bedrooms and around the house. For me, it was something that I really wanted to do that. I used to do it a lot in my bedroom, but then I was like, I want to do this in the backyard. Now, as an adult, I really enjoy going outdoors and sit down in a bench or in a chair, enjoy the breeze the wildlife around and read. When I started planting my garden, I built it with that into consideration. In doing so, I knew and definitely experienced it every day. It does a great purpose for my life. It makes me feel good. Of course, the outcome of doing things that you like definitely brings you more joy and more well-being. That is where you should start what are the things that you really like, then go ahead and try to garden around that. Not always is possible, but when you think that you are getting near to that, should be good enough until you can develop the garden or the things that bring you even more joy to your life.
0: Does anything that you ever read in the garden inspire you to another project in the garden?
1: every time. For example, I love to read novels and I've been reading novels that has to do with a garden or garden mystery or something related to horticulture interest. This past summer, I read this novel called The Walled Garden. It was about this mystery around this garden that has roses. I do have a walled garden because I live in an urban area. The wall is what divides our home or apartment building from the street. I did relate to the story a little bit in terms of the space, but reading that novel encouraged me to create a rose bed or at least integrate more roses into my garden. It was inspired by that Every time I read something related to gardening, a novel, a general topic regarding gardens or plants, I have this feeling that I want to finish the page or the chapter and I want to go out and do something in my garden. Do something related or go to the nursery store and buy some plants I always get fused with that sense of you have to go outside and and do something garden-related. Books definitely inspire me every time, every time.
0: Yeah. I know you have a podcast, too. It seems like, inevitably... Every person I interview inspires me to go do a project, and there's no way I can do all the projects I get inspired to do, but it is so much fun to build those gardens in your mind anyway. It's
1: incredible because you're reading other people's work. You are like, I thought about that too, And, and you feel sometimes validated, and then you go and do that project that you were thinking about for a long time, things like that. Or you try things differently. That is what it makes it enjoyable. And you keep exploring new perspective in maybe in the very same topic, but you have other people's point of view and you try and you experiment, then you come out with your own answers or your own experience, of course.
0: Yes. Yes. We'll talk about your book in a little bit. But you talk about gardening In your 13-year-old self, what did you mean or what do you mean by that?
1: I wanted to do the book Verdura has so many projects and the idea is to explore different areas in your life and, of course, to encourage you to use all your senses, but also connect with your inner self. Sometimes when you are gardening, you are doing things that maybe you used to do when I did that project I was like you know what everyone who gets to read the book probably they already (laughs) has passed the 13 year old phase and it's something that there's a lot of experiences that we might share no matter in which year (laughs) you born or where did you grow up. I wanted to create a project that would please or at least like to my 13-year-old self. Of course, the project uses the colors that I was into it, and I still do, which is the pink color. My teenage years were in the mid-80s. So how can I translate what was going on, not only in Puerto Rico, my family experience, things like that, but also the influence from movies, TV, things like that, how can I translate that into a fun project that might like someone 13 years old? That's what I came mm-hmm. up with this project very colorful which the 80s were, very colorful and striking colors, a lot of nuances, but also big hair, big shoulder pads, things like that. So, you start looking into plants and into combinations to try to simulate that or capture that decade. That might be different for someone who is younger or grew up later on in the 90s or early 2000s or in the 60s or 70s. That's what I meant with that project. Mm -hmm. If you notice, the book has also this vibe of journal. You can write in the book because that's something that I really enjoy, to write in the margins to uh, strike things, to underline words, things like that, make comments that I might come back to them. The idea of the other project is that you can personalize that and still have the whole concept is yours, which is like any garden. We can have the very same plants, the structure, the combination, things like that are gonna be very different.
0: I know you have a family. How do you get them involved in your gardening?
1: My two stepdaughters are adults and Mm -hmm. they don't live with us. One of the things that I did when they were kids, when they were younger, the weekends that they came by at the house and spent weekend or the week, we did a lot of things in the garden. That was my connection with them to do fun things. First, because we have a short period together during the weekend or a week. You don't want to overwhelm a kid with the things that you like. So you try to look into things that they might like also. That is something that I try to do with them to go outdoors, to enjoy, try to answer questions that they might have and teach them. That was my purpose to co-parent and to help out my husband, but also Their moms, in how we were going to help these two young girls to become good people, try to help them develop their character. Nowadays, they are 24 and 21. They both love nature activities, things like that. My husband, who does not do anything in the garden, he is not the one who prunes. He just enjoys the labor of my work. <laughs> my husband can see how happy I am. He likes to encourage that. I love it when he comes outdoors and uses the seating area and takes some calls or just relax or do some meditation. I try to suggest activities outdoors. Let's go to this public garden, let's go to the farmer's market, things like that. That's how I involve my family in gardening. First, they have to see that I enjoy it because then they see that definitely does great things for her, so we better keep encouraging that. For example, it's a great way to make your family come on board with this activity of other activities.
0: What's a good activity that you could involve a thirteen year old in?
1: Nowadays, kids has access to technology, to information. Instead of trying to choose between nature and technology, how can you make things interested in terms of they go outdoors, but how can they integrate technology? You can ask your teenager to Take some pictures. You can say, hey, take pictures uh, in the garden or around the neighborhood that has something to do with nature. It can be insects, it can be birds or whatever interested you. Let's have a look of it and print them. You can create a gallery of those photos so your teenager and other members of the family can look at it. You can use it as part of the Christmas postcard. Depending where you live, you can start a cotton flower bed with your teenager and create bouquets to give away, things like that. Mm. Sometimes there might be projects that you can encourage them to not use technology, or you can ask them to use technology as a support on your phone for information regarding this plant, things like that, Mm. or about this fruit, or what plants are toxic for the pets, thinks that they're using technology, but the technology is not directing their life.
0: I think you said it well when you said it support the activity rather than being the activity.
1: Yeah, and that works well too for adults because sometimes we see ourselves going through the screens into different pages through social media and we're consuming, but how about if we promote to create content and mm-hmm. that's how you can use technologies? I was listening to expert in kids and garden. One of the suggestions was that encourage your kids to use technology to create content regarding nature, regarding gardening, instead of being the consumer that definitely will reduce stress in your household for you as a parent, but also for your kids. It becomes one less struggle that might be something that a lot of parents that don't have teenagers are afraid of. What am I going to do when my kid asks me for a phone or something like that? So.
0: I know you like to socialize in gardens. What are you talking about when you're saying socializing in a garden?
1: Gardening is definitely an activity that you can do by yourself, but you can do with other people. You can garden with your family members or you can garden with friends. In the book, there's this chapter dedicated to several projects that you can use as the starting point for being more social because we need to encourage social well-being. It's not just physical, mental. We need to socialize. It does good for our whole being and of emotion. When I talk about socializing, I talk about how can we use our garden, but also when we go to public gardens that a lot of people come together, how can you use it to get to know more people How you can use it to inspire creativity in your work team. For example, how can you use your gardening skills to embrace your community, to help beautify the space where you live? Because we all know that has uh, this effect of, oh, I take care of my home there's a high potential that my next door neighbor do the same and we have the block beautification. But also if you're part of a business community, how adding plant to the facade of the building or your store can make a great difference if people comes in or they just pass by because they don't want to hang around. There's a lot of research on regarding how the beautifying of gardens and having nature, trees, flowers in public areas, it keeps the traffic up and that lowers also burglary, have more traffic because people are hanging around the area. So the less possibility that someone is going to break into your business or home because there's a lot of alert. People are passing by. Yeah, that's what I meant with socializing. How can you use it for your enjoyment, for others people's being? Because when you do something in your garden, you are enhancing other people's life.
0: Is that what you would call part of garden life?
1: Yes, that's what I meant. I see my life. I chose the gardening life. And not only as a way of living professionally, and of course, I work as a professional garden communicator, but how can I keep embracing this that I really enjoy? I encourage myself to go outdoors every day. I say that I'm a master of the garden breaks because lately I do take garden breaks very often then I work. That is something that I try to live every day by. When someone is sharing their experience or someone comes up with, I want to create certain projects if I'm doing something for a client. So I have a better perspective because I'm already living it. Sometimes it could be more difficult for someone who just do it like part-time, which is not a bad thing. But when you try to consume everything that has to do with gardening, it it is easier for you to translate that into different areas. I do like other things, though.
0: (laughs) (laughs) What does your typical garden break look like?
1: It can be stretching out uh, from my desk and going into the window and look outdoors. One of the things that I make sure it was that I try to beautify my views, even those that I can't control. If I can't control what is beyond my view, what can I do closer to my view? (laughs) There's a project about that. One garden break can be that. Go over my window, look at my immediate, which is I have right now, I can look into a fig tree, or a flowering tree that I have outdoors. Beyond that, there's a big uh, apartment building across the street. It is something that you can't miss, but it's not something that drains me. Other times I go outdoors and I walk the whole garden, which is not that big, but I have my route, and then I stop by and then come back. A garden break can be watering some plants, if they're indoors or can be reading something that i'm interested in Mm -hmm.
0: what do you find people stressing out the most these days
1: in general definitely financials are something that stress us all Uh, i was there a few years ago it wasn't until i took care of my financials and took some control i couldn't concentrate in other things Financial, definitely. Climate change, it is something we are seeing that are stressing more people. For those who have not experienced a hurricane and now they're seeing that they're living in areas that a hurricane can go by. Or people like me, for example, that I live in an island in Puerto Rico, we have six months of hurricane alert, the hurricane season, the peak season for the hurricanes. We went through a very devastating hurricane in 2017 with Hurricane Maria. And that can be a stressful thing for someone who lost everything during the hurricane. Every year, when it's hurricane season, that could be a stressful time for people. And it's even stressful if you don't have the economic resources to take care of your family or your household, things like that, can be uh, very stressful. Climate change, depending where you live in, the kind of environmental problems that you have also. On top of that, on top of nature, if you live in a place that has already some environmental hazards, definitely something that is stressful. On top of that, gun violence, things like that. Mm. So definitely nature... It's a great way to try to help you manage your stress. Because it's not that you're going to live free of stress, but with the help of nature-based activities, surrounding yourself of nature or plants, things like that, give you the tools to manage better different stressful situations it doesn't have to be a chronic one but things that you don't see coming the micro stresses of the day by day things that you think are not pondering on you but it keeps coming and suddenly you're blown away you blew up yeah. because of the accumulation of certain things in your life it is nice to have micro breaks that in nature because it helps you balance that i have tried that and definitely it works
0: <laughs> <laughs> what do you do on a nature micro, break?
1: well, m- micro breaks are those that are less than 30 minutes research has shown that micro breaks can be 40 seconds of at least taking your eyesight away from the screen looking to a window If you have a green pasture or something, take your eyesight to a plant that you have nearby. And those 40 seconds are more than enough to relax and help you to concentrate, things like that. Mm -hmm. Those are micro breaks, definitely.
0: (laughs) (laughs) A lot of design and interest and research is going into biophilia. Here recently, it's gotten a lot of attention. What are you seeing in those areas?
1: Biophilia is the natural relationship that we have with nature. We tend to feel more at ease when we are in nature, and that is something that has evolved with us. Lately, it is more discussed because we happen to be indoors for almost 90% of the time. So how can you try to integrate nature, how characteristic indoors? We are seeing that in design. How can you use not only to integrate nature, life, trees, things like that, but if you are not able to do it, how can you use biophilic characteristics to ease people's sense. And one of those things can be through pictures, through art indoors or in the premises or use natural materials in the design. There's a whole field of biophilia design, definitely. But yes, and I think the more people spend time indoors, the more interest is to bring nature indoors. But of course, if you have the opportunity to go outdoors, it is even better. But it's shown that even looking at pictures in your office, pictures that has to do with nature, and even if you don't have any window looking outdoors or looking to a green pasture, it can do great things for you for your well-being. So Yes, biophilia is something that I encourage people to read more about it. It helps even retain people at work. And there are studies regarding that, how companies are using biophilia designs to reduce the people who are done with their job. I don't want to work more here. There are a lot of companies that are, that are trying to make people feel at ease in their work areas so they don't live. And that is something that has an impact in the economy, things like that. It is a very serious topic.
0: Let's talk about your first book.
1: Verdura, Living a Garden Life with Cool Springs Press. It is published in English and in Spanish simultaneously. It has the same name, Verdura, Jardinería para tu Bienestar, which is Gardening for Your Well-Being. It is my first book, Sometimes I pinch myself because I can't believe that I already have not one, but two books. It is a book that has 30 projects that encourage you to be surrounded by plants or do something garden, nature-based. Not all the projects has to do with transplanting or rehoming a plant. There are projects that has to do with organization organization with revamping secondhand products that you can find and use it, repurpose them for your gardening needs. And, and there are projects to help you think about your harvest more as something that you can integrate into other areas in your life, like gifting. Now that we're in the holiday season, but anytime. Again, it doesn't have to be the holidays, but if you want to give someone something special, you can use harvest from your garden, not only flowers, but you can share seeds and put the seeds in little envelopes and have a handwritten card and give that, or you can prepare products out of things that you have garden. Those are the kind of projects that you will find and there are projects that you can do by yourself and also there are projects that I encourage you to do with someone else's to promote socializations. I try to do things every day that force me to use all my senses, observation, to taste, things like that. You will find in the book Projects that are meant to increase your sense of sight, your auditory, your hearing sense, your taste, and all your senses. You're going to find projects that do that. Any project will definitely help you be better and feel better. You can do them indoors or outdoors. I was thinking about this the other day. I'm not just telling you do the project. It is enjoy the process of the project, gathering of the ingredients of each project because sometimes you can't do the whole project in just one day and you have to divide it. I share with you how can you do that and make each phase fun for you, the less stressful, again, because if you relate doing a gardening project with the stress, the less you're going to do it. I try to make everything possible for you. Let's go and do a list of these materials that we need and make that a fun thing to do. Maybe invite someone in your family or a friend that you haven't seen for a long time. Make that a meeting experience. And then who knows, that person comes with you and do the project, helps you install it, things like that. That is verdura. Of course, you can write in the book. You can personalize it because I'm aware that there are projects that if you want to replicate them exactly, even though I give you the list of materials that I use, everything, the description and everything, my intention is for you to personalize and to make the project yours the only way is to sit down and going by each project thinking how can I do this relatable even relatable for me. I have the concept that she's giving me in the book, but how can I personalize this, make it even more dear to me?
0: I was looking through the advanced copy that you gave me and oh I was just getting really inspired. I think my favorite one though. Is where you create a living background for virtual meetings. It's, oh, yeah! <laughs> you can look at my background. There, you and I can see each other, but other folks you can look the at audio. mine. <laughs> but if you look at mine, it's oh, he needs some help. I was thinking that's a great project, and I've got oh, all that material to do that. Tell us about that project.
1: Of of course, I started the book right in the middle of the pandemic. One of the silver linings was we got to use technology and push us to use it in ways that if we didn't go through the pandemic, maybe we wouldn't be using as much as we do now or other platforms like Riverside. Nowadays, when you connect and look at people's background, you start making up their stories. What is that person's story? Starting with, where is that person at? and is there at their home? What can you tell about what they have? Things like that. I remember when I started, I used to have my office organized, but I didn't organize it to other people because other people might look at that person's background. There's no single thing. It's just a blank wall or there's not even a plant. We all know what nature does for us, but not everybody is aware of it. That was the intention of that project. If Zoom meetings are gonna be part of your daily routine for work or for socializing, definitely get some inspiration and try to come up with something greener. Beautify the space as you beautify your garden, your front yard, or your backyard because you have. Neighbors that are going to be looking at your backyard or your front yard, they might say that person (laughs) needs some spring cleaning there or something like that. Yeah, it was an experiment. (laughs) But I guess it was something that I wanted to be like something to encourage people. When you are thinking about your space, why is your space telling you about yourself? When you take a virtual meeting with me, You can tell that I like to read because there are a lot of books in my background. I do like art and I'm proud of my accomplishments because you can see the pictures, you can see the framed certificates, things like that.
0: There's a section in your book called Organizing Your Legacy. What did you mean by that?
1: What I meant about garden legacy is more about organizing your things, not only your plant collections, but also your books. Nowadays, is something that I think more because I do have a collection of books that I would not like to see it go to waste. One of the things that I want to do with that is donate it or create a space that people can ha- access. If you took time, money, effort to create your plant collection or your book collections, sometimes you're... Family members, they are not interested at all on those topics. What is going to happen for me it would be very sad to see my books pile up in the street or something because no one care about it. I make sure my husband, my family knows what I want to happen to, for my books my plants or things like that or start thinking hey if you want to have a dedicated library for garden books or things regarding nature what should you do you have to start thinking and planning just the way you plan to have a will and there you discuss who's gonna get what People might be very surprised if you say, hey, I want to leave you in my gardening books collection. People might say, no, please, I don't want it. So you're going to find in the book, it is like an idea, but I give you the space to start writing down possibilities. I know the topic of death is not an enjoyable topic, even though we as gardeners see it every single day. In the garden, we don't like to talk about leaving this world and uh, leaving our loved ones or talking about our loved ones leaving us physically. But if we start thinking about how can we ease our loved ones' distress, we try to reduce the stressful moment when you are not with them. What am I going to do with this person's belonging? I think it's a way to think ahead and try to ease the burden for someone you love. Not to be a low note in the book, it should be a high note. If you already have a collection of things, it is incredible that you are able to maybe pass down that legacy to people who might be very interested to be the custodian, the steward of, of your collection. You just have to start looking for that. Maybe you are like 20 years ahead, knowing that your books are going to be in good hands, your rose collection, your orchids collection are going to be taken care of.
0: Yeah, that's important to plan for, not only for death, but also maybe downsizing. I've talked to a lot of folks, they're leaving their garden. What do I do with those treasured plants that I can't take with me? What do I do with books or the things that I just don't have room for at my next location? So it's exactly. not only a death situation, but it's just change of life. So.
1: An accident. An accident can change your gardening lifestyle. As you grow older, there are things that I used to do when I was in my 20s that I'm like, I'm not doing that anymore because you know that you will need two weeks to recuperate or something like Mm that. I guess the older you get, you get to think about those things. That is something that sometimes I wish more people think about. How can you make your garden or your gardening life enjoyable No matter what is the stage of your life, you are able to adjust it. So, yeah.
0: What do you wish people would do differently when designing, building, or growing a garden or landscape?
1: Definitely a garden with intention. When you have a clear intention of what you want to do in the space, it's easier for you to choose the plants, the materials that you're going to integrate, to be realistic with the resources that you have. I wish more people are designed their space with wildlife in mind, but also with other members of the family into consideration, not only your partners, your kids, but your pets, for example, thinking about that they might use the space. I think intentions is everything. (laughs) When you have A clear intention for you for what you want. What is the sentiment that you want to create? What do you like? It is easier, it's less stressful to use the space to find the space for more joyful experiences.
0: What garden myth would you like to smash?
1: Definitely the green thumb analogy that, oh, I don't have a green thumb. I think everybody has the potential to garden. That will depend where in their life they are. I say that everybody has a green thumb, just that in different shades of green. We all have green thumb, but different shades. That also will depend on the kind of plants that you're trying to garden. I might be good in outdoor plants, but probably I'm not that good in the indoor plants. But that doesn't mean I don't have a green thumb. I just have different shades of greens depending on the circumstances, the plans, where I'm at at my life stage, things like that. So that's something I would like to smash.
0: (laughs) (laughs) What is your earliest garden memory?
1: Ooh, I have great memories in the backyard of my parents' house. We live in an urban area. Houses were very close. But we did have our front and backyard. I remember very early walking through wild daisies, these sensitive plants that you touch and, and their leaves close up immediately. I think it's Mimosa sensitiva, the plant. I remember playing with my brothers in the backyard before my parents decided to create a terrace in the backyard then an office building for my father. Those are very early memories, three, four years. And of course, I have that fresh in my mind because I talk about a lot of my early memories in the book, verduras.
0: Why did you decide to pursue gardening as a profession?
1: I pursued garden communications about 15 years ago because I studied psychology in college, I wanted to be an environmental psychologist or an organizational psychologist, but communication definitely biked me. And I was like, yeah, this is something that I want to do. So I went and did my master in communications, specifically in PR, but nature always was around me. I come from a family that my father has a farming journal, monthly newspaper addressed to farmers and agribusinesses, things like that. That was, for me, a topic that it was very close. I always said, oh, I don't want to do the same thing that my father is doing. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And and then you end up doing something similar. When I was working as a journalist, I was covering different topics regarding agriculture, culture, politics, things like that. I used to work in a monthly newspaper that covered different topics. But I always was drawn to the agriculture topics, gardening topics. So when the opportunity came to to launch AgroChic, I was more focused on what was going on in people's backyard. I was curious about that. It was the time that Facebook was coming out. Everybody was posting everything (laughs) of their life on Facebook. So definitely you can see also people's backyard and what they had. You saw similarities. I was more convinced that gardening communication was the path for me. Because every time someone asks you what kind of topics you covered, you say, oh, gardening, people smile at you. It doesn't get better than that. You can talk about what you do and people smile at you. It is like an icebreaker. They start talking about the plants that they grew up with. They have something to tell. When you're a journalist, you want people to talk, and the more the better. Later on, I became part of Garden Communicators International. Then was the Garden Writers Association. When I joined, I saw people doing what I was already doing or so people doing things that I never imagined I could do. That definitely kept validating my choices and open up for bigger opportunities to do different things here in Puerto Rico, but also abroad. In 2019, I certified in horticultural therapy with the Chicago Botanic Garden. For me, that was a full circle moment because Horticultural therapy is about how can you use plants, gardens, as a tool for the well-being of people. Combine the human behavior and horticulture. Even though I'm not a trained horticulturist, my interest and my research on trying to know more about the plants, and of course, I had to do research when writing about plants. The more you do, the more you read, the more you know. And of course, you apply it. For me, it was like this area, this certification covered everything that I was always interested in, which was well-being, human behavior, horticulture. That's why I was like, yeah, this is the path. And I'm glad I decided to continue, not be like scared. What am I going to do? Am I going to find jobs or things like that? Yeah. sustain myself.
0: Would you tell us a funny garden story?
1: The very first pumpkin that I grew, it was 2010, something like that. I planted uh, pumpkin seeds in the front yard of this house that we used to live. The plants developed very nicely. I used the front yard fence to travel and guide the plant. When the first pumpkin It was the only one. For me, it was an amazing experience because I saw that pumpkin grow and it was amazing. Go every day and look at it. But at the same time, I started this paranoia of when that pumpkin grows big, someone else's will see it because... At that time, you just saw the whole vine of the pumpkin and you know how it grows. And yes, you have the beautiful yellow flowers, but it's not until you see the fruit that then you're interested in the plant. (laughs) That plant looks nice. Mm -hmm. So I had this paranoia. I remember lying in the bed and telling my husband, what if the pumpkin is not anymore there the next day? because people can go by and see the pumpkin. It was hanging from the vine. The pumpkin vine is very strong. It can hold the whole fruit. Nature is amazing. I was scared of someone taking my pumpkin. (laughs) I don't know if someone told me about it or I read it online, but I decided to put like a little hammock under the vine to protect the fruit, the pumpkin, when I was doing that, suddenly I heard a click. The top of the pumpkin that connects oh. with the vine broke, but not everything. So I am holding <laughs> the pumpkin in both of my hands. I'm in the front yard. I'm yelling at someone in my house. I'm yelling my husband, oh, Antonio, and nobody comes out. I I didn't know what to do. I was squatting (laughs) in the front yard with the pumpkin in my hands because it was halfway the floor. That pumpkin couldn't be there at least one more month Mm -hmm. to mature even better. I was there like five minutes until my husband came out (laughs) and saw me with my legs stretched, my hands holding the pumpkin. And I was like, what am I going to do? Yeah, the pumpkin came out from the vine and what I ended up doing was holding the pumpkin for one more month. It turned out good, but that for me was like the funniest thing (laughs) that it happened. That happened to me because I didn't plan again. That's an example. When you plan, you take care of everything beforehand, before the fruit even comes out sometimes there are things that you can control if you garden in a public area or near a public path those things can happen maybe you have a pet it also happened to me that my then dog ran across the punky ba- uh, patch it took with him the whole vine those are things that you plan ahead and because otherwise you're going to spend long hours during the night thinking about what might <laughs> happen if someone takes that because I was in my mind thinking oh someone is gonna take the pumpkin and I won't be able to enjoy it and I was thinking about all the month that I was waiting for all the plans that I have with the pumpkin because I only have one pumpkin <laughs> someone else's was gonna take it yeah now it's funny, but, but then I was miserable Yeah, <laughs> waiting for someone to help me rescue the pumpkin.
0: You painted a good picture because I could see you standing there doing that. <laughs> <laughs> what is the yeah. most valuable advice that someone gave you that you still use today?
1: Definitely when someone told me when you want to start a garden, you start with Three or five plants that you like. That is something that, even though I now garden more than that in terms of plants or herbs that I really love, I plant things that I enjoy. Of course, explore, wonder about new things, that's the only way you grow, but try to garden things that you like. Maybe because Of the taste, maybe because of the color, the sensation, the fragrance. Do that. I remember that was an agronomist teacher. She told me that I should start with three to five things that I really enjoy and then plan around that. I try to do that every time that I'm gardening, think about the things that I like and then. Garden around that. That's w- when we start our conversation. You ask me about things that can help us enjoy or help us to have more well being in our life. I mentioned the reading thing, but like that could be other things that we enjoy and we go from there.
0: In your professional career, who's been your biggest influencer?
1: My mother. She's a physical therapist, retired now. She was a therapist for kids, so when we didn't go to school because maybe we were like thick and we couldn't stay with our grandma, or maybe it was summer and she had to drag us along to work, I saw her deal with kids, two days birth, little kids with different kind of physical problems. I saw how she cared about that and how she delivered the program and explained it to the, the parents' kids how to continue the treatment at home so when they come back, the appointment, they weren't behind and they keep progressing. So I saw how she took care of the kids, and of course (laughs) also with us, (laughs) and every time we have a spasm or something in in our back or our collar, something that hurt, she used to turn us around. We were expecting like a a little message. She applied her knowledge. I have to say that she being in the well-being industry. Uh, as a physical therapist, definitely had an influence. And I remember that I used to think that I was going to become a physical therapist. Now you see a lot of physical therapists taking horticultural therapy because they want to incorporate nature into their well-being strategies for their clients. And of course, my father, and in terms of my wandering into agriculture, into gardening.
0: What's your most valuable garden mistake?
1: I think not gardening sooner in the garden that I have now. I don't know if we should call it a mistake, but sometimes we are waiting for the perfect moment to do something or Maybe to have the house to start gardening because we don't want to garden in a place that we're renting because we think, oh, we're just passing by and passing by can be five years. For me, it was like seeing all the changes that I made in my garden, particularly in the backyard, while I was doing the work, the whole book. I did it in my backyard or indoors in my home because it was what I have available. At the moment, I didn't want to stress more looking for other places. So I, I used what I got. I was like, I shouldn't start gardening or using the space more sooner. But it came in the perfect moment. If someone is holding, it is hold on to let's see what happened, or I don't want to garden because the weather or something. The moment is today.
0: What have you recently learned about the world of gardening? Mm.
1: Oh, I love that question because recently I was reading this book, 100 Roses for the South Florida Garden from Victor Lazari. In the book, he talks about a tea rose named after Puerto Rico. It is believed that it is from Puerto Rico. For me, that was a very interesting thing to learn. It is a white tea rose that is with a darker center. It was discovered by Jose Marrero. That gave me that interest of, I want to know more about that rose. In the book, it describes the flower and also talks about some people might think that instead of the rose coming from Puerto Rico, it came from other part of the Caribbean. But the thing is that there's two rows out there that is called Puerto Rico. And that was something that I didn't know about. Now I'm very curious to look for more information. In the very same book, he talks about that you can combine roses with a crop of plantains Mm -hmm. with banana tree. I was like, what? They both like to be outdoors in the full sun. The the high the humidity levels, the better. So that was something that I learned recently. Of course, I'm going to try it because (laughs) I do have the banana tree and have roses. So I'm going to try to put them together to see how it goes.
0: I'd like for you to complete this statement. In my garden, I have...
1: In my garden, I have culantro, I have fruit trees like fig tree, I have a major lemon tree, I have seating areas, I have three bird feeders, I have a bird bath, I have, I mentioned the, the banana tree, I have a bougainvillea tree vine, I have a pollinator's garden and I have an insect hotel.
0: What did your garden teach you this last year that you plan to apply this next year?
1: One of the things that I learned from my garden is that it could be a great magnet for more wildlife like frogs and snakes, <laughs> not the harm ones. But last year I experienced a few frogs in the garden and one snake. I have just a small space in an urban area, but I have to maximize it and make it enjoyable, not just for me, but also for the members of my family and wildlife. I think frogs in the garden make me think about what can I do more to attract them. So definitely this year and next year, it is more about that I integrated little ponds in the pollinator garden so the frogs can come and be there or integrate terracotta pieces from all pots and mm-hmm. put it in certain ways that it can be used as refuge. That is something that I learned because, again, you're focused only on bringing or trying to attract just birds or butterflies, The more biodiversity you have, the more healthier and the more adventurous your garden becomes.
0: What are your future plans for your garden?
1: Right now, I'm trying to finish a mailbox garden, and I can explain. I have a mailbox that I use for tools and sometimes books. I took it off an areca palm. It was big enough. I have a stacket there, (laughs) but then I decided to drill a better hole for the mailbox, then have a little garden around. I was reading another book where the author has a mailbox garden and a little prayer garden around it. I want to have that in the backyard (laughs) because sometimes I see myself bringing tools from other parts of the house because I don't have an outdoor shed. It is easier for me to storage some scissors and other tools in there. Sometimes books, because I do like to read, as I mentioned, in the garden. Then place a little bench beside it. Right now there's one, but it's a temporal one. Mm -hmm. I want to put something more steady in the area. So that's a very near future project.
0: (laughs) 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 What plan are you in love with this week?
1: I would say the Angelonia angustifolia, the summer snapdragon. I have the Angelonia in full bloom right now. The plant is so bushy that I love that plant. It's resistant, at least my garden. Because I live in the northeast part of the island, it is very near to the coast. And right now it's very windy. That plant is very resistant to the area and it attracts pollinators. I can use it also in my bouquets. I would say this week, but for the past couple of weeks, has been my favorite.
0: <laughs> what's your daily routine regarding the garden?
1: When I woke up, I tried to look through my window just to see from the perspective of mm-hmm. the room what's going on, who has done what. If there's any want in the premises, just to see how fast can I have to go out, outside. I like to watch the birds coming in because I feed them this 7.30 and I haven't gone outdoors. They start tweeting, where are you? <laughs> I start my coffee for me for and for my husband. Then I go feed the birds. I lost my dog recently. So part of the routine was, to feed the dog, feed the birds in that order. Mm -hmm. The bird feeders had helped me in the grieving process Mm. because not having to feed my dog anymore, you're getting used to. And of course, the birds have taken that, the whole attention. I have two bird feeders near the kitchen garden, and then I have the third bird feed in the opposite, in in the extreme part of the garden. So I have to go through the whole garden, through the path. That was intentional because I wanted to have that walk. That is my routine. And of course, in, in the process, I look into the plants, what has happened, if I have to prune, what flowers are in bloom. I usually take my scissors with me. So I can cut some flowers or trim something. I try to time myself to make it on time for the coffee. (laughs) (laughs) Then when I'm drinking the coffee, I try to do it outdoors. So I sit down and observe. Mm. You have to see the birds coming in, coming out, and enjoy the things that you have done, think, reflect. That's the biggest garden break in the morning and I continue with my agenda depending on what I have nowadays because I'm promoting the book the launch of Verdura definitely I have more things that I have to divide the, the agenda very smartly <laughs> but yeah that's part of my morning routine uh, thank you for asking yeah no, sure <laughs> I have a quote that I really like it is from organizational psychologist Adam Grant and it's from his book hidden potential, which I love and I recommend. It's a great book. There's this line that says, relaxing is not a waste of time. It's an investment in well-being. Whenever you see yourself in the garden or outdoors doing nothing or thinking, oh, I should be doing something right now. I don't feel like I'm doing something important. Think about You are doing something important, which is taking care of yourself. You're investing in your well-being, in who you are now, but also in who you are in the
0: future. Perla Sofia, tell us how people may connect with you.
1: People can connect with me through my website. Actually, I have two websites now. The first one is agrochic.com, which is content about gardening in Spanish. Recently, I launched mygardenbreak.com, which has to do with gardening, but more focused on how can you use gardening and nature to relax. That content is in English. Of course, through social media that you can tag me on Facebook or in Instagram by agrochic.
0: This has been episode 143, Gardening for Stress Relief, Exploring Wellbeing in Nature. With Perla Sofia Cupillo, Santiago on the Garden Question Podcast. Thank you, Perla Sofia. You're awesome! The goal is that every episode is valuable and well worth your time. Please generously share the Garden Question Podcast with your friends, relatives, and neighbors. Check out our website, thegardenquestion.com, for links, resources, and where you can listen to every episode again and again. You will not want to miss a weekly episode, so please subscribe to the Garden Question podcast with Craig McManus on your favorite listening app. Keep on designing, building, and growing a smarter garden that works.